0: 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7-10 through 10. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that He should leave me. But He said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong." Today's Old Testament reading comes from the book of Nehemiah. There's a little old joke if you remember that one. Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 9 through 20. It can be found on page 504 in your pew Bible. It says this, Then I came to the governors of the province beyond the river and gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent me with officers of the army and horsemen. But when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah... The Ammonite servant heard this, it displeased them greatly that someone had come to seek the welfare of the people of Israel. And when I went to Jerusalem, and then, so I went to Jerusalem, and was there three days, then I arose in the night, I and a few men with me, and I told no one what my God had put into my heart to do for Jerusalem. There was no animal with me but the one on which I rode. I went out by night by the valley gate, to the dragon spring, and to the dung gate, and I inspected the walls of Jerusalem that were broken down and its gates that had been destroyed by fire. Then I I went on to the fountain gate and the king's pool, but there was no room for the animal that was under me to pass. Then I went up in in the night by the valley and inspected the wall and turned back and entered the valley gate and so returned. And the officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing, I had not yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, and the rest of who were to do the work. Then I said to them, You see the trouble we are in, how Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burnt. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer suffer derision. And I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good, and also of the words of the king, Uh, the words the king had spoken to me. And they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. But when Sanballat, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the Ammonite, servant, and Gershom, the Arab, heard of it, they jeered at us and despised us and said, what is this thing that you are doing? Are you rebelling against the king? Then I replied to them, the God of heaven will make us prosper." And we, his servants, will arise and build. But you have no portion or right or claim in Jerusalem. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks. Lord, once more, we ask that you would speak to us today through your holy scriptures. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I hold a very special place among my siblings. Uh, my siblings. My All my brothers and sisters, they all have nieces and nephews. I'm the only one who has only nieces. Uh, my two boys are the only boys in the family, so I don't get to have any nephews. I just have nieces. As a matter of fact, uh, yesterday, five of my nieces visited my house. Uh, and I love time with my nieces. Last year, around this time, I was taking care of of my brother's daughter. He lives in town. He works the night shift. Uh, so we would take care of her during the night. He'd bring her to the house. And one day he brought her to the house. And I could see the expression on her face uh, that she was bothered by something and that she wanted to talk to me. So she gets down from the, from the car and comes straight to me and says, "Deal, boy, uh, my daddy bought me a tablet, but I don't know what happened. It doesn't want to turn on can you fix it? I said, you know what, sweetheart? We'll look at it when we go inside. And so we stayed outside talking a little bit. We got inside and immediately she brought me the tablet. And so I did what any good technical support guru would tell you to do. I tried to turn it off and then on, nothing. And then I remembered there's a soft reset. You can hold down the the home button and the power button and you can make it cycle through its power up sequence again. So that's what I did. And guess what, within just a few seconds, it was glowing back to life. And my niece said, oh my gosh, Dio, thank you. And then her question was, how did you do it? My youngest happened to be standing there and my youngest looked at her with an expression that was like, how can you not know this? He said, he's a dad. (laughs) That's my favorite child. Sometimes things fall apart. Sometimes things don't work like they expect. Sometimes things don't go the way you expect. Maybe you're even sitting here today and you're thinking, I never expected my life to go this direction. I never expected to get divorced. I never expected to get fired. I never expected to have to start my career over at age 50. I never expected that I would be where I am now. You're sitting here and you feel defeated. You feel frustrated. You feel broken and truth be told, you're tired. I've been there. I've done that. You're sitting here and you can't even concentrate on worship because you're wondering what what's next? What's next? Well, I'm here to tell you, it's time to rebuild. And I know you're sitting there laughing and you're like, ha, 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 Orlando, it sounded like you said it's time to rebuild. I did. Because God is a God of rebuilding and restoration. And Nehemiah's story wonderfully exemplifies that. The Jews had returned to Jerusalem from their exile, and they had been in Jerusalem for a hundred years. And in that hundred years, no real progress had been made in restoring Jerusalem beyond rebuilding the temple, and a very insignificant temple at that. Every time they would get started trying to rebuild, trying to pull everything back together, trying to get back on track, opposition would arise. And the work would stop. And Nehemiah, who happens to be the king's cupbearer, hears of all the goings on in Jerusalem and gets word of the sad condition of the Jews. As a matter of fact, chapter 1, verse 3 says, they tell him that they are, the Jews are in great trouble and disgrace. I've had moments in my life and areas of my life that have been in great trouble and disgrace. They tell him the walls broken down, the gates are burned with fire, and the situation is so deplorable that Nehemiah openly weeps about the condition of his beloved city. He could have chosen just to sit there and wallow in self-pity and sadness, but that's not what he does. Here's what he does. He hears about the condition of his beloved city and he makes it a matter of fasting and prayer. Kind of sidebar. I just want to say this. I'm not even going to charge you for this one. When you have something in your life and you don't know what to do, I'd like to encourage you to take the very first step. Make it a matter of prayer and fasting. And in response to Nehemiah's prayer and fasting, God gives Nehemiah favor with the king who gives him letters so that he can journey safely to return to Jerusalem, who gives him letters that allow him to take timber from the king's forest to rebuild the walls so that Nehemiah also might rebuild his house. And in slightly more than 50 days, the walls of Jerusalem are rebuilt. I want you to find encouragement from this story today because we all have areas in our life that like the walls of Jerusalem need rebuilding. They need restoring. Maybe it's your devotional life. Maybe your devotional life is in shambles and it needs rebuilding and restoring. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your struggle with addiction. Maybe it's your relationship with your children. Maybe it's your relationship with your parents. Whatever it is, I'm here to tell you, it's time to rebuild. You're looking at me and you're thinking, okay, Orlando, I I, I hear this idea of God's a God of restoration and rebuilding and it's time to rebuild. but, But where do I start? Well, I'm glad you happened to ask that question because we can see it all in Nehemiah's story. Here's the very first thing Nehemiah did. The very first thing Nehemiah did is Nehemiah took a night ride, and he assessed the actual condition of the city walls and the city and the gates, and then he gave an honest report, an honest assessment of what was going on. What's his assessment? His assessment is, we're in trouble. His assessment is, Jerusalem is in ruins. His assessment is the gates are burnt down. The walls are in shambles. He goes so far as to say this is a disgrace. We hear those things and, and we don't like to hear those things. We don't want to hear those things. We don't want to admit those things about our personal condition. But Nehemiah is honest about the state of affairs of Jerusalem. And because he's honest, they can begin to move forward in the process of restoration. See, you and I, you and I, we want our lives to always be Facebook ready. We want everything nice and pretty and publishable on Facebook. We don't put anything bad about our lives on Facebook. We fear any display of weakness because people might see that and then try to take advantage of that weakness. We're too worried about impressing people that we don't even like. I can't be honest about the condition of my marriage because if I was honest about the condition of my marriage, my positions and leadership of the church would disappear. I can't be honest about my porn addiction because if I was honest about my porn addiction, people would judge me and people would talk about me behind my back. If people only really knew what I was like, they wouldn't like me. They wouldn't want to hang out with me. They would run me out of the church. Let me give you some encouragement this morning. No one's life is as good as it looks on Facebook. When we can worry, when we can stop worrying about displaying weakness and get down to the nitty gritty and be open and honest about what our condition is, what our need is, then we can begin the process of rebuilding who is closer to healing an alcoholic who knows he's an alcoholic or an alcoholic who has no idea that he suffers from an addiction C.S. Lewis puts it this way C.S. Lewis says a cold self-righteous prig who goes regularly to church may be nearer to hell than a prostitute why? because one is broken and knows she's broken and one is broken and has no idea. When we can look at ourselves honestly and say, here is the area where I'm weak. Here is where I'm struggling. Here is where I need your help, God. Then we are in a position to begin the work of rebuilding because then we're in a position to call on the one who can help us. I have a son. My oldest son is 14 years old. He is six foot one. Uh, size 14 foot I'm thinking age 14 size 14 shoe what's going to happen when he's 21 and though I do not like to admit it my son is quite a bit stronger than I am and I could stand there in my pride and and, and see something heavy and think I got this but I recognize my weakness and I recognize that he is strong and so I'm like Gabriel Move this for me. Sometimes I say, Help me move this, but typically it's easier just to have him move it himself. But it is a recognition of my weakness that allows me to call out for help. It's honestly saying, I can't do this alone. You know what? Do not fear weakness, lean into it. That's what Paul, the writer of our New Testament passage, does. Paul. Calls out to God and talks to him about a thorn in his flesh and says, it's bothered me and it makes me feel weak and I don't like it, take it away. Asked three times for it to be taken away and God's answer was, no. My grace is sufficient for you. My power, my strength is made perfect in weakness. Verse 10 says, for Christ's sake then, I'm content with weakness, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Whatever area in your life needs rebuilding right now, I encourage you this morning to talk to God Honestly about it and say God here is where I need your help because until you can take that step You will not move forward in the process of rebuilding That first step is an honest assessment of your condition so you can call out to God That very next step is Get started Start rebuilding start taking those first steps even if they are small steps Nehemiah talks to those with him and gives an honest assessment of the condition of the city, the condition of the walls and the burnt down gates. And then he tells them what God has laid on his heart and they say, let's do this. Let's rebuild. Let's get to it. They could have seen the daunting task ahead of them. And backed out. What happens to you when the work ahead seems daunting? I'll tell you what happens to me. I'm gripped by fear. And I'm paralyzed. As most of you know, I recently started uh, to work on my master's degree. And I remember the very first research paper I had to write after not having been in class for 20 years... It took me 30 minutes to write two sentences because I had to cite my work and I didn't know how to cite. And it was a mess. It was a terrible mess. And I thought, I can't do this. I can't do this. And so I emailed my professor. I said, I think I'm going crazy. I can't do this. And he emailed me back relatively quickly. And he said, Orlando, you're not going crazy. You already are crazy. but he said this don't let fear paralyze you there is maybe a daunting task ahead of you as you rebuild whatever area of your life that needs rebuilding but don't let fear paralyze you second timothy chapter 1 verse 7 says this for god gave us a spirit not of fear but of power and love and self-control. That fear that paralyzes you is not coming from God. That's coming from the enemy who doesn't want you to move forward to rebuild that which God is calling you to rebuild, whether it's your marriage or your family or your finances or your job. He wants to keep you paralyzed. But you know what? Move forward anyway. Move forward in spite of the fear. You remember Joshua in the Battle of Jericho? Joshua could have seen the enormity of the walls and he could have said, no, 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 I'm not getting into it with these people. But he didn't. He took those first steps forward. You can think of um, Israel at the Red Sea. When they faced the Red Sea before them and the chariots of the Pharaoh behind them, uh, Moses and the Israelites could have said, nope, this isn't for us. could have stopped right there they could have been paralyzed by fear but they weren't not they were not they began to move forward i do want to say this as you move forward to rebuild whatever god is calling you to rebuild i'm not telling you it's going to be an easy road you know what nehemiah faced opposition san malat from the very beginning said i don't like this whole idea and then by the end of our passage it's not just Sanballat. It's Sanballat and Tobias and Gershom. And they're all saying, you know what? This is not a good thing. You, you're not going to accomplish this. And throughout the entire process of rebuilding the walls, there are these people that are jeering and giving opposition and saying, if a fox jumps on that thing, it's going to fall down and break apart. You will face opposition and people will tell you why the thing that you're trying to be rebuilt, why the thing you're trying to rebuild will never work out. They'll tell you, you know what, I don't know why you're still working on your marriage. Why don't you just give up? It's not worth it. That man will never change. That woman will never change. I don't know why you're still reaching out to your child. It's not worth it. He's never going to change. Things are never going to be restored. I don't know why you're still loving your dad and kind of trying to build that relationship with him. He'd abandoned you so many years ago and things will never change. And there will be opposition. There will be people that that tell you why something will not work. But you know what? Don't let that opposition stop you. Let that opposition drive you forward perfect example is acts chapter 1 verse 8 acts chapter 1 verse 8 says but you will receive power when the holy spirit has come on you and you will be my witnesses in jerusalem judea samaria and even into the ends of the earth and i know what you're thinking hey orlando didn't you use that scripture last time you preached yep sure did still kind of pentecostal <clears throat> they were told stay here and receive power And then go out into the ends of the earth. And guess what they did? Nothing. They stayed in Jerusalem. But that's not what God wanted them to do. It was nice and comfortable in Jerusalem. And so, Acts chapter 8, verse 1, we see that God sends this. And God and Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution. Against the church where? In Jerusalem. And what happened? And they were scattered throughout the regions of what? Judea and Samaria. Except the apostles. The church used that opposition and it moved them forward. It propelled them forward. As you look at your life and you see what part of your life is in chaos, remember... Be honest about it so you can call up to God whose help you need. Get started and move forward even through the opposition. And I'll tell you why. You can do it all. You can do all of this because God will go with you. I love Nehemiah's reaction to the opposition at the very end of the chapter. He says, God will make us prosper your success doesn't really rely on you it relies on the one who took the most broken down thing about humanity the one who took death and overcame that and rebuilt and redestroyed destroyed and re-rebuilt and overcame it By his resurrection. The God of the resurrection. Who is in the restoration business. Stands by you. Matthew chapter 28 verses 19 through 20. It's the great commission. It says go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit teaching them to observe all i have commanded you and i love this last part and behold i am with you always even to the ends of the age the king james version says and lo i am with you always which i always took as a justifi- justification for my fear of heights he's with me lo that's not the case he says behold I am with you always even to the end of the age I can't promise that everything will go just the way you want I can't promise that the journey is going to be easy I can't promise that what you have in your head about how something will be rebuilt is the way it will go But what I can promise is that the God of the resurrection the God who helped Nehemiah rebuild the walls the God who is all about restoration he will go with you and that's all you need What areas in your life need the power of the resurrected Christ to restore and rebuild? I encourage you this morning, be honest, move forward, and hand those areas over to him. And he'll go with you as you rebuild. Let us pray. Father, thank you so much for your goodness and your faithfulness. Give us eyes so that we might honestly see our condition and turn to you for help. Give us strength as we move forward in faith in spite of opposition so that in the end we can rebuild for the glory of God. In the name of Jesus, we pray.